Welcome to the Pearl Lamb Podcast. Today we have Sam Cox, who is Mr. Doodle. We are at my gallery, Pearl Lamb Galleries, where we have Mr. Doodle in space. So Mr. Doodle has created this solo exhibition, uh, creating a narrative about Mr. Doodle and Mrs. Doodle went to space. And during this, this journey to space, he met with different monsters, which he created. And later on, he was invaded by his twin brother, Dr. Scribble. He defeated Dr. Scribble, and he and Mrs. Dudo has the little baby Elfie and live happily ever after. So may I introduce Mr. Dudo? And Sam, please give a little brief about yourself again to audience who would not have known you. Yeah, um, I'm Sam Cox uh, and I call myself Mr. Doodle. Uh, I'm a, a doodler from Southeast England and I just love to doodle like as much of the day as possible um, and just try and doodle on everything I possibly can and that's really what my work's about and uh, that's kind of who I am. In the traditional or the conventional art galleries, we usually have artists who who is from the traditional training, they went to art school, and then, and then they start working with uh, showing their art in different exhibition, and then start with the small galleries, and then they gradually go when, and went to a big galleries and show their work, uh, uh, show their work internationally. And then they have their own collectors who would go there and, and go to these galleries or, or some younger galleries to find young artists. But you is very different. I have collectors from everywhere and gallery, I mean, collectors whom I never met. And, and they are usually not out conventional art collectors. Some, some of them actually are first-time buyers. And if, if not, they, are, they, are, they have been collecting works, which of course, because you are the only artist, I mean, now, you know, you started us doing all these popular, I mean, all these animations, very cutie, uh, with um, art with narrative. Um, but these are a whole group of new collectors who loves your work because they were on social media. I never realized that there's so many people are on social media. What is, what is your feeling about it? Um, <coughs> I think uh, that lots of people, that their way of like digesting art or, or finding new art is, is through social media now, I guess, because people are very you know, busy and not everyone has time to like, go to galleries to be introduced to new things now so they you know they check their phone and they'll find something new on instagram or facebook or something and um, and because my stuff got shared on different pages and everything i guess that's how a lot of people kind of found my work and and started to follow it um and i guess it's kind of bringing in people uh who maybe they, they might not go into galleries and museums for, for whatever reason really but um, it's just kind of bringing those people into the art world and then, and then I think it's, you know, it's great kind of process of sort of uh, attracting or, or uh, sort of relating to people around the world. And but then... I'm very surprised because I, I, I always have collectors who like to collect art, conceptual art, because they talk about, you know, the society, the urban development, the politics. But now I have a whole group of collectors who just want to have your work there because they're happy. They just want to be happy. They said, oh, after a long day's work, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to read anything. I come in and I see, see Mr. Doodoo's work. It just gives me joy and happiness. Yeah. I mean, it's something which is pretty incredible because we don't need to pretend to be deep. Yeah. Well, I guess um, that, you know, like for some people, that is their reaction because we're so we're often so, like surrounded by like news and things that you know tell you all this like uh, like what's going on in politics or what what tragic things are going on in the world and and for some people their response to that isn't to to purchase a, uh, or collect a piece of work that um, tells that story or tells that narrative they 
listening to on the news and stuff or something or says something about it. They just want something that feels like an escape or, you know, just, just makes them smile. That has no uh, agenda or any, um, doesn't tell them like which way to think or which side to be on. It's just... And also children loves your work. Remember the first day, the opening night, there was this little boy, five years old, was actually kneeling down to the mother. Please, please, please buy this work for me, please. This is incredible. This is incredible. I, I forgot to ask you one important thing is, is now you're like a rock star. First thing, I, I, I was told by my staff, first night you arrived in Hong Kong, you went to a hawker store, hawker store. Already you were sitting down, there were, there were people coming to you and asking you whether you're Mr. Dudo, asking you to sign, and then... And, and then what happened? The, the owner of the hawker score came and asked my staff, who's this person? Is this a movie star? And then he took your picture. He sent to his daughter. And then he came and said, oh, he's the artist. And the daughter breathed him. And he didn't want, even want to charge, charge you on the mill. And then, yeah, they were utterly surprised. And then the other day, when we were in K-11, you were swarmed by people. We have two bodyguards for you. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, I, we were all taken aback. And today you're going to MTR. And my staff said that you need four bodyguards. I've never seen an artist who would have four bodyguards. You're like a rock star. What, what's your take about it? Me is the first time I have an artist. It's an artist. Artists that that do uh, who doodle. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny, um, really. It just uh, it feels kind of surreal, really. Um, but I just yeah, I love those interactions with like meeting people um, and just you know just like shaking someone's hand who's come to see the performance or see the work and and just and like telling them you know thank you so much for coming um i really appreciate it and just giving them a big smile and trying to make them feel like warm and and you know treating everyone exactly the same you know no matter who they are and just um and just like making sure they know how grateful like, i am that they support the work and stuff because um and i think it's a great position to be in because when someone comes up to you and you can tell they're like excited to 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 like meet me and stuff um i feel like i can really like make their day you know like make them really happy that day and make them go home to their families and feel really like full of joy and stuff and um and i love that feeling of being able to do that and i always try and try and give that to them at three years old you start to draw and then you were copying cartoons and all that. what sort of cartoons were you doing um, I was watching a lot of uh, like The Simpsons on TV and also um, a cartoon called uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, and I used to copy these cartoons, but I, I, most of my inspiration came from uh, video games mostly. But three years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, I would sit and draw things, but um, I didn't really like drawing um, sort of what was kind of in front of me in real life, you know, like outside in the garden or like trees or flowers and stuff. I used to like drawing things from the TV screen and, and like these kind of cartoonish, um, sort of vibrant, colorful um, animals and made up creatures and things. But you have two brothers and one older brother. Don't you beat each other up as boys us? I mean, playing guns, pistols. I mean, what, is it, what did your um, elder brother do then? When you were painting, you know, don't you have a conversation? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, like, um, we, we, I mean, when I was, you know, really young, we didn't just, I didn't just draw all the time. I also, um, like, I, we used to make kind of funny films and stuff, and uh, often I'd be, like, holding the camera, and my two brothers would kind of act something out, and we'd make up a little story, and we just sort of made funny stuff that wasn't very, you know, like, it was just kids, like, imagining things and being imaginary characters and um like we'd run around and sometimes my younger brother he'd like pretend to jump out the window of the upstairs of our house and like fall to the ground and like we'd do sort of funny things that well it was really badly um filmed and stuff but it was kind of a lot of fun you know but at five years old you start doodling yourself right just doodle without <laughs> copying when do you stop stop i mean copying other cartoons and and start creating by yourself yeah so uh 
uh, I was copying these cartoons for a long time and then I started wanting to see these like video game characters like in different stories that didn't exist. So I started drawing them like in new settings and stuff. And then that led to me like designing my own characters and thinking, oh, you know, I want this guy to be like the main character or this guy and stuff. And then um, I started drawing my own things and then it really became this sort of doodle kind of style uh, with lots of different characters all at once uh, when I was about 15 years old. Yeah, and then um, I understand that when we had a conversation, you were a really great businessman because at 13 years old, you start doodling on T-shirt and selling it. And then you save up all your money to be spending in your university, to get art supplies, to get food. I mean, you are a real good businessman. Man, how do you, I mean, does all your friends want to, do, to have a doodle T-shirt? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, the first one I did was like, um, I drew this city and it was all kind of like polluted. There was like steam and stuff everywhere and smoke and stuff. And, and there was all these like mechanical like machines and things. I love to draw like really busy images. So that's the kind of things I was drawing. And I did it onto like a white t-shirt. And what I did was I drew it out and then I made, because I didn't have like a printer or anything like that, I, I sort of cut it out with a, with a knife like a scalpel knife and I made it into a stencil and I sprayed these t-shirts with like the design and, and then sort of um, you know, sold it to all my, my friends and other people oh and stuff. Jesus. It was only like uh, five pounds or something, but the t-shirt cost me like one pound per t-shirt and then, and then I would sell it for five pounds and stuff. So, so how many t-shirts did you sell to support your all, all your three years university art supply and food? Um, well, I didn't, I didn't just sell the t-shirts. I also, um, the, more, the thing that brought me more money was uh, I used to sell like sweets at school as well. So what do you mean by you selling sweets? You just buying? I used to buy like chocolate bars, like in bulk. And I'd go into school and like sell chocolate bars and fizzy drinks and stuff to, to the kids. And My God, you're a real businessman. How do you get all those wholesale prices? Um, well, it's, it's weird actually, because um, it was actually cheaper to go to like the local supermarket. And I used to buy the, you know, the multi-pack bars that say, you know, you're not supposed to like sell them individually and stuff. Um, and uh, they, that was actually cheaper than going to buy it in, you know, the, the, the big cutting cost places and stuff. And, um, and so I did that and I did that for probably three years and I saved up uh, sort of about 5,000 pounds and that helped support me. Wow. Well, what, is, what amazes me was when you do your childhood series, um, let me explain to the, to the audience what is the uh, childhood uh, a series. He, he has his parents save up all the sketches that he made since you were three years old or whatever. And then, and then you take all these sketches and you reinterpret it as today, which for me is really amazing that your parents actually give you such support, saving all the sketches. So from young, did your parents actually see you as an artist? Um, well, they knew, like, you know, I think they really, you know, immediately understood how much I loved to draw because I would do it quite a lot and I'd go to, you know, my bedroom and just, I'd spend hours just by myself just drawing and stuff. And, and then I'd come down and show them and there'd be like quite an obsessive amount of, you know, drawings of cartoons and characters and things. And I don't think any of us really knew like where it was going, um, but they would just support my kind of passion for it. And they thought, you know, like um, I sort of had a, a kind of like a talent for it, I guess, in some way, um, even though it wasn't very good when I first started. Um, uh, but then as we got, as I got older, uh, I kind of thought maybe I'd be like a, a designer for like cartoons on TV or like video games or something. You never um, thought that you would become an artist? No, because no, I, I didn't really know that uh, like I could do this as, as an artist because I didn't, I was really, I didn't know many artists in my life. Like I, I didn't uh, look at that much, like I didn't go to that many galleries or anything. Um, went to, you know, a few, but um, I, I was kind of, uh, sheltered, I guess, from a, a lot of like what was out because there. Because your stuff. family has none of you, none of your family members are into art anyway. Not really, no, no. No, that's why. Yeah. So, but it, but then when I got to being about fifteen years old, and then my teacher um, Morgan, uh, he 
he showed me like all these street artists and old like pop artists and things and and suddenly I was like oh wow you know they they can actually do like this kind of thing for for you know a career and stuff and and that was really kind of exciting for me and then I sort of started to see it in a totally different way and um, and then from then on, I just put everything I could into trying to make it work and stuff. By the way, for all the audience, I want to uh, stress on one thing, is Mr. Dudu's art teacher, Morgan, is now at the st um, Mr. Dudu studio as the artistic director. And then he's now advising on many things that Mr. Dudu is doing, especially with the prints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, um, me and uh, Morgan have been, we, we would always talk, you know, even after I left school and we would uh, text each other and I'd send him like pictures of what I was doing and uh, like the latest animations I've been making. And he'd always try and advise me and give me like suggestions for where it could go and push it to the next level and stuff. And, and, uh, and then one day I just thought, um, I was asking him actually, like, you know, it was a summer holiday and it was just after like my wedding and their school was on their summer break and stuff. And I said, are you, you know, looking forward to going back to school and stuff? And he said, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, working with the kids and stuff, but a lot of the administration stuff's getting a bit like on my nerves yeah, and course. stuff. And, and I said, oh, you know, if you're ever thinking of making a change, like we'd love to work with you and everything. And, and sort of from there, we just kind of really excited about the idea and it's been really great since. And um, it's really cool because, you know, sort of, He's not like my teacher anymore. He's like a 15 years old, your art teacher. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and he's more like a friend now, and, and uh, we get along really well. And, um, and I don't, you know, always take every suggestion he has. Of course, um, it's all about discussion. Yeah, yeah. But I think we just had these very like, inspirational conversations, and they tend to bleed into what I do later on and stuff. Um, okay, so next step, I mean, you, you were in a university, you studied illustration, and from illustration, how did you come to become an artist? So you were participating in street art, you didn't even have a galleries, right? You didn't even understand what galleries were. No. I mean, because you were telling me that you were doing some record covers. Yeah. Of, I mean, please share it with the sure. audience, which is really interesting. Yeah, sure. Um, so I didn't, uh, yeah, I, I was, pretty uh like clueless about the art world really like i thought you know galleries were places that you just like rent for to show your work and stuff i didn't know that you know galleries like represented artists and worked with them to you know further their career and things like that so i really i my experience was very like limited and um but i didn't really sort of let that intimidate me and stuff so i just sort of tried to get my work out there in many different ways and often i uh, I was quite interested in like hip hop music and um, I would approach uh, musicians um, like local in, in the UK and stuff and, and I'd ask them if, you know, I could make a music video for them and I'd sort of take these like characters I'd draw and turn them into animations and stuff and I'd spend maybe like five or six months on each of these projects and they would be very kind of time consuming. Um, and then I'd make these sort of three minute videos with the, with the sort of characters and things. And I'd also design like album covers for people and stuff like that. And um, it wasn't really like, they didn't pay me to do it, but I just tried to do it to get my work seen yeah. out there and stuff. Um, yeah. And how was it, I mean, how was it? Do you get a lot of uh, records you were, you were doing, you were making, designing and all that? Was it a really great business and um, exposure for you? Uh, to be honest, like not not really. Um, like I, I I enjoyed it and I thought it would go somewhere, um, but uh, it didn't really like do all that much, you know, to get me out there in the end. Like it was the, the I liked the work and I was proud of it and stuff. But really, what got me recognised was kind of later on when I started wearing like the doodle suit and going out into the public and like performing in front of people rather than like doing these things like in my room or in my studio and, and then putting it out on the internet. It was more these things that I did like in, in real situations where people could come and see me. I'm really surprised that when you went to school, you know, like illustration, no one actually asked, told you that you could have joined a gallery. Okay, joining a gallery is very difficult, but at least it's the first step to, to, to expose your work. And, yeah. I, and, and how did you then become a street artist? But, I mean, it's, I guess what it was is that uh, when I studied illustration, um, 
you know, the tu- and the tutors were, were, were great and I still stay in touch with them and stuff. But the course wasn't really about um, like people becoming like artists or fine artists and stuff. So they didn't really talk about galleries or representation in that way. It was more like um, helping people get, the, a lot of focus was on like drawing things for like children's books or illustrating mm. text, like people giving you text and then you responding it, res- responding to it with a visual. Um, and that would be yeah, books or, or um, posters or often like illustrations for newspaper articles and things. Um, and what I was what I was doing was starting to go off on a different path, but I you know didn't want to change course. But tutors would try and support me in the best way possible. But we didn't really know like what it was that I was going to become. We just wanted to see where it would go and stuff. And and then I did a lot of um, like murals out in the in the public, like street art and stuff. When and you say street art, you don't have a license to do it. You just you just create graffiti basically um yeah early on right? it, was, it was like that yeah like i used to go out with some of my friends and we'd go out maybe at night time and stuff and paint on things that we weren't really supposed to paint on and stuff and um and then i got in trouble for it when i was about 19 years old and um i was drawing on these signs like just drawing little characters yeah. and stuff um and i got like caught doing it and then since then I kind of I, I never I never did that anymore and then I just moved into the realm of kind of trying to find a space that someone would allow me to draw on so I'd a, a pro- approach um lots of like fast food places and I'd say like can I draw on your wall uh and I'll draw like you know pictures of burgers or things that relate to the business somehow um and in return they'd you know give me food for like a week or something <laughs> <laughs> Hey, did you did uh, do you do uh, do do your parents' house everything? Do you uh, do uh, you destroy your parents' house? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to doodle their house. Um, they let me doodle the, my bedroom, and they give me bits of furniture to do. And one time they let me do the downstairs bathroom, like, but I had to cover it in paper so it wasn't permanent and stuff. Um, but they were very supportive. You know, they, if I said I've got an idea, they try and make it work without any permanent damage and stuff. But it made me just dream of having my own place like later on where I could fully kind of cover with which you did yeah Um, but it's very surprising you know when I start working with you is then we find out that all the things that you were doodling on the wall and on that and people want to knock down the wall to sell and to put the wall into auction yeah it's like one of the cars that you did which is a caravan which you did for your friends and and then later on it was chopped into different pieces (laughs) and was in the auction which is pretty i mean how do you feel about it do do you feel that you know is it's a positive feeling or or you feel that is taking advantage um well uh i mean when i did that caravan it was for it and i just left university and it was almost like 10 years ago and uh my friend said i said to him i was like i really want to you know paint as many walls and objects and things as i can and he said you know we've got this caravan he's always had it in his garden and you, you can paint it if you want. And I said, oh, great, I'll do that. And it, it stayed there for like five years and I just painted it and made a video out of it and shared it and stuff. And then in 2020, when uh, the auction sales of my work started to go up and things started to go to auction, um, my friend, like, he saw that and he he was like, oh, you know, is, is it all right, you know, if we sell the caravan and stuff? And I was like, yeah, of course, it's, it's your caravan. And I wanted to help him and he's one of my best friends so you know I really thought it was nice and everything and so he put his caravan onto eBay um and I think he put it up for like 30,000 pounds or something and someone saw it and said uh, you know I'll, I'll pay you 10,000 pounds for it but I want to cut it up and I want to like because it had gone quite old and like moldy and stuff so they had to like fix it up with paint and things and he and he asked me is that okay and I said yeah it's fine and I signed something to allow it to happen so he sold it for £10,000 and then... And Only £10,000? Yeah, but he was really happy because him and his family like split it between, I think, five of them and they all had some money. Um, and then, but then, uh, like, I guess it was probably six months later or something, it came up at Christie's and then... And sold. then it was chopped into different pieces. Yeah, and it was selling for like hundreds of thousands and my friend, <gasps> he just, he was like texting me and saying, oh no, like I'm so like sad because he's... You know, it was hundreds. Of, I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was. It was a good feeling to help him. But then, 
when it went on to do that, I was still excited that my work achieved that price. But um, uh, and then, but then I think now it's kind of kickstarted this thing where all these murals are done in the past. I mean, yeah, people like, want to knock down the wall. Yeah. And, and and send the war to be auctioned. Yeah. I mean... I mean, it's bit, it's kind of a, a bit of a shame in some ways because they were created... Yeah, because it was for the war. Yeah, and they're meant to be, like, enjoyed in public spaces. I mean, the caravan's a bit different because it's like a private space, but usually these walls are, you know, on the street or in someone's, like, public space, and it's meant to be there to be seen by people, and then it ends up being chopped down and never seen again and stuff. So do you enjoy doing doing live performances in in public? Yeah, I love doing live performances. Yeah, that's my, f my favorite thing to do, I think, yeah. Your favorite thing. So yeah. today, you must be very excited because today we are doing, um, Sam is doing a live performance at the MTR, MTR, which is the Metro, the two station, but you are collaborating with children. Yeah. So the children and you are going to, to doodle on a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, it's going to be really cool because uh, it ties in perfectly with this new exhibition, um, with the spaceship. And I think doing things, you know, in public, in really busy public areas like a train station is really exciting because you just get, like anyone will walk past, you know, and you're kind of bringing people into the gallery somehow because lots of people don't go into galleries and museums and stuff like, like how I didn't when I was a kid. But, you know, I'd, I'd go into train stations, so, um, and everyone does. So, like, uh, it's the way of reaching just, like, kind of everyone from any walk of life and stuff. So that's what really excites me. So, it's, uh, you know, since you become uh, making more money, it's what impresses me is that you are actually giving back to the society. You do things for the children charity, and this spaceship is going to be donated to the, uh, and actually you donated to MTR, and MTR in terms donated to make a wish for the children's charity. Uh, why children's charity? Why not other charity? Um, well, you know, there's lots of charities that I think are, are good and stuff, but um, I like the children's charities because, um, well, when I first did it, I did a doodle marathon for 50 hours once, um, 50 hours? Yeah. What do you mean by doodle well, marathon? I, 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 we did a couple of them and we, um, me and my friend from Norwich, he, we, we, we found a, we find these like shops and we'd cover it with paper and we'd draw over the paper and I'd, I'd draw for like 50 hours and he'd sit and watch the whole thing and film it and stuff and, um, and then we'd cut up the paper into pieces and we'd sell them and all the money would go to this place called the Teapot Trust which helps kids with like chronic illness and um, and they do like art therapy with them and just try and have like a nice time and let them express themselves and just give them the space to be open and creative. And, and something about that uh, charity really, like, I liked that, you know, like work, helping kids and um, kids are so kind of like innocent and, 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 and nice and like honest and like pure. And I just think it's nice to um, do something for, for kids because uh, a lot of like, you know, my work is... Um, as much as people kind of think it is mostly like appeals to children and things, I think it's often enjoyed by kind of adults as well and stuff. And I think it's nice to do something that's that directly links to kids because that's that's kind of the time of my life where I fell in love with this sort of type of art and stuff. So, um, yeah. What do you, I mean, do you think that doodling and these so this meditative your OCD drawings is is a kind of art therapy? Yeah, uh, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, when I I don't really think intentionally like that, but like when I do draw and I just draw for like twelve hours and without like a break or something, and I just keep going and get lost in my world, I sort of lose sense of time and I even lose sense of like where I am, even if I'm at home or even doing a performance in front of people. I might just kind of switch off to where I am and I just get lost in this world. And I think it is like a a kind of meditative state or therapeutic Yeah, because Psychobo called us as floor art, Mark Psychobo. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you do think that this helped you to, because you're focused, you're focusing and it is a sort of therapy because you're not thinking about all others' stress or, you know, you're not being attacked by stress yeah. or think other and other concerns or worries and all that. Yeah, I just have a really 
happy time when I create the work and I feel really fulfilled in, in myself. And, and that's the sort of uh, emotion that I want to express when I draw. So hopefully it translates to other people when they feel similarly when they look at the work. Because, you know, popular art, Mr. Dudu, you are today, you are judged by the popular culture. And you have an Instagram, 2.9 million people following you, uh, which is really a very different way of a traditional or conventional art world. Conventional art world is always judged by curators, art critics, and we're talking conceptual art which is about politics, society, philosophy, um, urban development. But your work, specifically, I remember when we were talking, your work is not about politics. Yeah. It's not about society. Your work is, by, is giving a narrative. You built in this narrative and you, you, know, you do the, whatever it comes to your mind. So... At any point, I remember whenever we ask, yeah. you, you, you specifically and you stress that you don't want your work to be linked with politics. Yeah. So do you care about the, the conventional art world, the judgment of the conventional art world? Um, uh, I, I think I just, I don't know, I just care more about like what I think about, about my, myself and whether I can go to sleep like happy that night with like what I created and you know what what like what I did that day and whether I feel like I did a good day's work and whether I feel like I um felt like I was expressing myself that day and not what other people might want me to do and stuff and um and yeah I kind of don't I don't want like really don't want my artwork to have any kind of message at all really I just want it to be you know, that is the sort of message is that there is no message and it's sort of meant to be just enjoyable um, to, to everyone, like for, or, or, or to anyone, you know, to, to anyone from any place on, on earth or any walk of life. Or, and I just want them to be able to, you know, see something that they recognize and just smile at it. And that's kind of the, the sort of purpose of it, I guess. This brings you, this brings me to ask you, <laughs> and discuss about the general feelings whenever people see your work and they, they say, oh, this is Keith Haring. He's copying Keith, <coughs> Keith Haring. Yeah. So I always say that Keith Haring, many of the drawings that he does, he's talking about the social, the social issues um, about, I mean, he being an, an homosexual and all these other issues. But yours is completely different because you create these little creatures and you have your monsters. I'm seeing all these and you have Mr. Dudo together. You are actually creating a story yeah. in your mind. Yeah. And it's purely for, for aesthetic and to have joyfulness. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, <coughs> I, I, uh, I love Keith Haring's art, like obviously and stuff. Uh, but it's not the sort of social commentary or political aspects that um, brings me to him. You know, it's that what speaks to me really is the, 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 the way where, you know, I watch videos of him work and the way it just feels like a, a flow from, you know, another universe coming out of his hand and he just creates lines and shapes and it just flows and there's no sketch, there's no hesitation, it just comes out and that's what relates to me. And, um, and I think the, the content of the work is, is very different and, um, the, the reason for it ultimately is the, the most different thing, I guess, yeah. But when you start drawing with such confidence, do you feel like that this is like what, I mean, this is what you learned from Keith Harry, or you have developed it since you were, you were a child? Um, well, I mean, I, like, I kind of was doing this sort of thing for a while before I was like introduced to his his work, but when I saw it, and then um, and then you resonate. Yeah, Morgan would show me and stuff, and and uh, and then and then I'd realize, oh, you know, we kind of do it. We've got something very like similar here, and then I'd then I'd look into his work and uh, I'd use it as like a reference point and think about like like how he did things and stuff, and 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 then realize like how much of a relationship there was there and stuff, and um, but I think when you just draw like this, you know, you have a canvas and you, or a space or something and you just draw without thinking, then you can't 
like copy anything because you, the sort of copying stuff involves stopping and looking at something and it just comes comes out and it has to feel natural for it to work so it, it kind of can't be derived from anything really but uh, but would you say that you are influenced by Keeves Herring's aesthetic yeah. or did you already doodle after and you start doodling and then you were introduced to Keith Haring and then you look at it and then you're inspired by that yeah so uh, I was like doodling like this and then and then saw like Keith Haring's work so your live performance do you see your live performance is very similar to to Keith Haring's yeah I think so um uh but yeah I mean I I it's hard because there's not there's not huge amounts of documentation no. of 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 Keith Haring's work and like there's not that much chance to see like how he did things like that. But I think um, the process of just, you know, it's almost like a, a, a dance or something and you're just kind of flowing and, and you just don't stop and um, the energy just comes out. I think that is the, is the similarity. Um, but even, even the tools we use are different because often he would use like paint brushes and things like that. And I just tend to use the, the marker and, and stuff. No, and I think that... Um... I don't know how, whether Keith Haring does correct his and and his work, right. but you do really huge work that you never correct one stroke. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just I feel like um, it the way once it's created, that's kind of the way it's meant to be. And I think the the whole that I'm interested in like what a, a doodle is, and that's why I called myself Mr. Doodle. And it's like um like a, a doodle is something that kind of comes out kind of subconsciously and naturally and. You're not supposed to, I don't think. You're not supposed to correct it, really. No, it just... because it's drawing subconsciously. Yeah. And and doing aimlessly and subconsciously. Yeah, yeah. And then and then the, and the kind of beauty of it is meant to be this just like natural, like raw uh, image that comes out just instinctively. And what is the biggest uh, area or canvas or building you have ever done? Is it the one which is near your home? That yeah, that, that would be the biggest single wall. That's single wall, and how big it is. So and so the audience will sure. Know. Um, it's I think it's uh, about seventeen point four by ten meters. Um, so it's about seventeen point four meters tall and then ten meters wide. That's the single biggest wall. But in terms of like space covered in a single place, it'd probably be the house. Oh, of course, the house. Yeah. The house, of course. You you spent three years on the house, right? Yeah, well, we spent um, Your almost, COVID time. almost a year like preparing it and getting it all painted white and then two years doodling it. Are you proud about your house? Because everybody's talking about the house. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of it because uh, it's something that I thought of for like 10 years before I even started it. And, uh, and what I like about it is that I kind of wanted it to become this like artwork that I would kind of be known for. And now some people who'd never seen me before come up to me and say, oh, you're that, they don't know even know who I am, but they're like, you're that guy who drew on his house. You don't know my name or anything, but they kind of recognize the artwork of the house. And, and it kind of became this thing that got shared around the world that uh, I think everyone could kind of find something in because people all live in a certain space. And then like the, the idea that someone would cover everything that they, they live in with drawings is kind of interesting to almost anyone, I think. Okay, you have to be very honest with me. When you sleep in this room, okay, right. which is all doodle. Do yeah. you get dizzy? <laughs> I mean, your bathroom, your bathtub, everywhere, your cattle, your fridge, your, your television. I mean, everything is doodle. Yeah. I mean, I love it. <laughs> I don't know whether I can live in it. Maybe I can spend like seven days, but living there yeah. day and night. I mean, what did Mrs. Doodle say? And then, you know, Alfie, your little baby Alfie is growing up with this, as, I mean, all the doodles around. Yeah. I mean, how um, do you feel about it? Well, uh, like, I, I, I love it. I mean, I, I, I never feel... I never really, I never, I've never felt dizzy in, in the house. I just, I've just become so like used to it really. And just, uh, it makes me feel kind of inspired, like walking around and looking at the characters and things. Yeah, you're jealous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but when I first met um, Elena, Mrs. Doodle, um, I, uh, on the first day we met, I said, like, I don't know how it came up, but I said, I, I really want to draw in a house one day and like live in the house. So she knew from the very first day that that was always my dream. And she 
got fully like on board with it and was very supportive and you know wanted always wanted to see it happen and helped me like find the right place and and just push me every day to kind of keep going with it and then with with uh, with Alfie um uh, he's so used to living in the doodle space now <laughs> that that when we take him like away or somewhere like for a few nights or something we have to take like doodle fabric with us to make him feel <laughs> to sort of make him feel at home and stuff because he okay. misses the doodles so that means that if you bring him to a minimalist hotel room he will have a shock of his life yeah like, <laughs> even on even on the plane like where we've flown somewhere we have to we put up little doodle stickers on the seat and stuff so that he can like look at them and because <gasps> he loves to like look at the characters and he kind of he likes to scratch them or try and grab them and stuff and he's he's really interested in like the faces and things so amazing because that i mean i love the house i love to visit but living for there 365 days <laughs> i will have a little doubt about it so it was amazing that you actually enjoy and living there yeah yeah um yeah the just... only white space is the ceiling No, even even the ceiling. Oh yes, 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 yes. The ceiling was also doodle. Of course, of course. I nearly forgotten about it. Of course, you doodle the ceiling, especially the cloud room. Everything is yeah. They're all doodle. So you're opening your new studio as well. Yeah, right? yeah. So we're building a, a studio in the garden, um, and that will be really nice for me because at the moment I'm working at the top of a uh, like a church in the town where I live. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, It's, it's nice and it's worked really well for me, but I'm kind of growing out of it now. Doing like want to do bigger things, and I can't. It's not very easy to access and stuff. So the studio in the garden will be really uh, good for me because I'll be able to just walk from the house into the studio and spend as much time as I want there. And it's a great space, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah. So I think a lot of audience would want to visit your your doodle home and see your new your new studio. Yeah. So okay, so. You are one of these young artists who made famous because of social media. And I remember you told me that uh, one day you were doodling on the floor, and American lady came in and took a video of you doodling doodling the floor, and then it went viral. Yeah. So on that time, that that was when two one five. 2017. Oh, 2002017. <laughs> yeah. And then you became huge. Everybody started knowing you and all that. What was that big change from from not knowing? Um, what were you doing at the time? Were you were you selling your and your doodling to all the shops in exchange? So I was doodling in this shop in uh, Old Street Underground Station in London. And uh, I covered all the walls in paper and the floor, and I was drawing on the floor. And this lady came and filmed me, and the video ended up going onto Facebook and uh, getting shared by all these pages. And suddenly, all these notifications were coming into my phone, and um, and people were buying. I was selling like a, uh, like posters and things on my website at the time um, for like I think it was like twenty pounds or something. And uh, all these posters were suddenly getting sold, and. Uh, and I was thinking, where's this all coming from? And I found out it was from this video. And then, like uh, for that, for the next week, it was like um, such an amazing like week. Or you know, I don't know how long it lasted. That uh, that that sort of energy and stuff. But um, frenzy, frenzy. Yeah, it just felt kind of crazy. And and I remember my mum was helping me, and we were like rolling up posters because there were so many to send out. And we were, I was like signing them. She'd roll it up and put it in a tube. And then me and my granddad, um, Papa Doodle, we went to the Uh, the post office with these big sacks of like tubes, and people were getting really annoyed with us because we were like holding up the queue behind us and like just sending all these things to like Japan or um, like uh, sort of Mexico and all these like places around the world. And it was really kind of spread out. It was people from all sorts of countries were like buying these posters and things and, and t-shirts as well. And um, and then from there, uh, the following just kind of grew. Uh, Up, you know, a few like hundred thousand or something, and then, and then other things happened. Like other people then shared videos when I do other performances, and because there were so many more people aware of it, when things started to get shared, it generated more and more followers, and um, and then I did more like performances and stuff, and it just kept going, kind of going like that, really. But it was 
yeah, it was a really amazing time because uh, up till then, I just, I didn't know, you know, if that would, if that was even possible or even if that would ever happen. So I just was just doing it for the love of it. And then it ended up kind of getting really lucky with it. So uh, um, when, when was your first project when you go abroad and where was it? Um, well, the first, the first one when I went abroad was, uh, I think it was the trip to New York in 2016 where I drew in someone's office. But the first one after that big kind of takeoff was uh, to Hong Kong actually in 2017. Um, and that was uh, when I was drawing over with, like, in a shopping center called Mirror Place. Um, oh, that was your first time. The Mirror Place was your first time. Yeah. So that was, yeah, six years ago. Oh, it was a similar time to this time of year. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, I loved it. And it was really amazing, actually, because um, it still amazes me now. But on that first trip, when I came here and uh, people would, like, recognize me in the street. And, like, it was so far away from my, ha my home. That I thought, wow, how do these people, you know, know who, who I am and stuff? Like... It was really surreal, and uh, but what do you do do at the mirror place so the audience knows? Sure, um, it was a it's a big shopping centre, and uh, we did this sort of Christmas themed doodle takeover. So it was doodles that had like pictures of Christmas trees or Santa Claus and stuff, and um, they covered like you know everything like the floor and the walls and stuff with this sort of uh, with this tiled wallpaper wrap, and then I drew on like it was like a kind of London theme. Uh, I guess with like I had like a big Ben uh, sculpture and there was a London taxi that I drew over and I did a few performances and uh, speeches and stuff um, and yeah it was like kind of I guess it was sort of uh, promotion for the shopping centre and stuff. Wow, and uh, first time. Yeah. And, but the following year you also came back for the Solarbees things, right? Uh, you, two uh, years two, later. Two years after, yeah. So yeah. after, when did, I mean, so after the Hong Kong is which, which other places? So after Hong Kong, um, uh, there was a few different trips, but the main thing I did next was uh, preparing for a, my first sort of solo, like international exhibition, which was uh, Doodle World at uh, the uh, Ara Art Center in Seoul. Um, and uh, I basically created like a, reinterpretations of lots of like famous landmarks and um, sort of leaders of different countries, but in a doodle style, um, like with all full of, do full of doodles. So it was like, almost like doodles had taken over the world. And that was sort of my collection of work for that space. Um, and that was, that was the next sort of trip. And then following on from that, it was several like trips to uh, Tokyo and uh, Taiwan. And, um, and how about the Mexico? When you were working with the British, the, the British embassy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I got invited by them to create a few uh, installations and murals and things in, I think it was March, 2019. Um, and it was, it was actually straight after going to a trip to Tokyo. So it was like, I went out to Tokyo and I went straight to like Mexico and my body clock was kind of like all, all over the place. Um, but it was really fun and it was really, Cool in Mexico, actually. But actually, Sam, we are talking about 2017. And, so, and then from 2017 and your career just exploded. Yeah. Because you were invited for collaboration by Fendi, yeah. Puma, Samsung, and all that. Yeah. That, that for young artists, it must be a huge surprise that all of a sudden, from one end, you're jumping to, uh, to become so successful. Yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, I just, I was, I was just really like happy and grateful that people were like enjoying, enjoying the work, um, and, 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 you know, the doodles and stuff. And, um, it was just, yeah, really fun because like all these people like comment on my pictures online and sort of share it with their friends and stuff. And, um, it really, it was really like great for me. And I think, um, it was nice like for my family and friends as well, because they could see like, uh, it had gone somewhere, you know, because I think for a while, maybe some of them were thinking like, you know, Sam gets dressed up in his doodle suit and goes and draws, but like, where's it, where's it going? You know, like, why does he do it? And how long is it going to last? And then I think that all after 2017 kind of like validated it for, for if some people had maybe some like doubts or something. Um, and it's really nice because like, you know, people like, I remember um, uh, Popper was, was like watching 
um, you know, my, he'd, always, he'd always check my social media and stuff. And he, he loved it when he saw like, the followers go up and stuff. And he'd always text me and say, like, <laughs> Papa, I was 80 something years old. Yeah. Oh my God. And he'd always text me and say, like, Oh, you, you know, you, you're on like um, 1.1 million now, 1.2 million. He'd always send me a text and sort of, <laughs> and uh, say, Yeah, thanks, Papa. It's cool, isn't it? And he'd always try and like, you'd say, like, How did that happen? Why did it go up? And, I wouldn't always know the answer, but um, yeah. So how would you advise young, and you know, young people who want to become an artist? Is social media really such an important thing, an important platform for you, for anyone who becomes an artist? Disregard um, the conventional way of working in galleries, having a museum recognition and all that? Uh, I guess it de- maybe it depends on what kind of artist you are. I know for like, for, for me, it works really well because of like what, how I want my work to be and, and how I want to attract kind of everyone to it. Um, but for maybe for some people, it might be more, there's maybe different methods that are better. But I think it's not a tool that should just be kind of dismissed. I think it can be really powerful um, and uh, a, a really like good way to just engage with people like instantly from anywhere. Um, like we've never had that before in like in sort of humans, like sort of lifetime and stuff, like to be able to just take a picture or take a video of something and share it with just like an endless amount of people is a really amazing thing. It's an amazing time to, to be alive, I think, from that aspect. But as a gallery, it's really tough. <laughs> tough <laughs> because, you know, I'm trying to make a popular artist to be academically, I mean, to be academic and uh, to be accepted in an academic and a curatorial way. So my job is make, you know, is to revert back, not just the public, but we want the establishment endorsement right. as well. So I thought that um, everybody's commenting that your performances, your live performances in M Plus patron room, um, they love it. So I think now M Plus wanted to collect your work. So I think all that is, is we now is uh, reversing because a lot of artists, first, they need to have the the curators, guardians, art critics saying they are great, and then the the gallery will push them, then they have the establishment, and then they become commercially successful. You, commercially successful and you have a lot of popularity. But now we have to bring a popular artist into being endorsed by the establishment. So we're doing reverse. <laughs> it's, it's not so easy, but we're very happy that <laughs> next year you are going to be in a proper museum, Hobo Museum in UK. Yeah. So it will be your first solo show. Yeah. Show. So working Working with, I mean, for my experience, working with a popular artist is a completely an, a new experience. Right, okay. A new experience as well. You know, you're doing collaboration. In, yeah. I mean, traditionally, conventionally, an artist are collaborating, being a commercial success, being collaboration is frowned at. But today with the social media, it's changed everything. Yeah. I think the technology with your generation of artists must be very important. Yeah, well, I think it's um, uh, kind of interesting because I think some, I think some point, I think it's like people have a tendency to dismiss certain things if they're popular. Like I yeah. think um, sometimes, like if some someone has a big following, or even you know, not just artists or musicians or something, but even like a popular um, like brands or uh, food or something. People sometimes think, you know, like everyone likes that, so I don't, I don't want to like that, or don't want to sort of um, give credit or approve to that. So um, it's kind of maybe difficult to change perceptions. But I think when you know, as you were saying, when you do a live performance in front of people, I think it's hard for people not to somehow engage and 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 get and get something from from that, and 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 they can't dismiss it so easily. I think if they see it in person and stuff, so. Um, yeah, I guess it's difficult to change perceptions, but I think it's kind of a nice problem to have in a way, I think. How did you come out with a doodle suit and you understand branding? 
very much because your job, I mean, you create from a doodle man to Mr. Doodle, and then you create the work and the work and you is the same. Yeah. So you actually created a personality. And how do you, th I mean, how do you create the whole personality like, like Dr. Scribble and, and of course in your life, you have a dog. So, so now you have a doodle dog. Yeah. So share with us about, um, well, about your, all your imaginary characters. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it was a real, you know, gradual process. It didn't just happen um, kind of like straight away. I mean, the becoming like wearing the doodle clothes was 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 because I was drawing on lots of different objects, and I just wanted to create a photograph where I like blended in with the mural behind me. So I drew over my suit, and I went into university and sort of blended in with the with the mural. Um, and then my tutor kind of nicknamed me the Doodle Man. And then I thought, oh, that's you know interesting. And then I realized like how much more kind of interesting that is maybe to me than just being like Sam Cox who makes pictures. But like if you're Mr. Doodle, then you're like, you're within this world and people can like come into the narrative and there's like, a, there's just more, more to it. And there's more like things to be interested in and more like to talk about and stuff. So it was really a very gradual process. And then, um, then I created like Dr. Scribble, the evil twin of Mr. Yeah. Doodle. And I think it's fun because then it's like the story between the two and they're like battling each other. And you can take that into so many different performances or like installations and stuff. Um, I just try and like have fun and I'm, I'm trying to kind of create things that, um, that, that would interest people who aren't really interested in art. Because like, I think if you see like a, a kind of funny video of like Mr. Doodle doodling a room and then Dr. Scribble coming and erasing it, then that's kind of funny to like people who don't even, you know, might not like paintings and stuff, but they kind of just like this performative element of it, I guess. And that's what I'm trying to, to do is to try and create things that kind of out of the realms of traditional spaces, I guess. You're not even 20, 30 years old. You're still under 30 years old. How do you see your, your, how your next 10, 20 years going um, to be? Uh, I, what is your dream? What is your next big dream that you well, want to do? Uh, I really want to, um, after doodling the house, I've, I've, I've dreamt now about uh, doodling a whole town. <laughs> and I really want to, to uh, you know, doodle the roads, the cars, the buildings, and create a very large uh, landscape. Where Your people... doodle world. Yeah. 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 You and are then... creating doodle land. Yeah. And then I think it's the best kind of um, expression that I'll probably create of, you know, of sort of showing how I want to doodle the earth. It's like a, it's like a manageable way to, to do that. But I think it's going to take, you know, many years, probably 15 or 20 years because I want it to be very detailed, all, all hand drawn um, and uh, yeah, really kind of uh, like an amazing place. And I want to create a, a, a stop motion film of that as well and, um, and make it like a sequel to the Doodle House and, um, and, and then a battle between Mr. Doodle and Dr. Scribble. Um, and I think that'll be one of my favorite things I'll, I'll ever do. So that's kind of my sort of one of the self-initiated things that I'll try and do on the side of everything else. Um, but in terms of other stuff, I just want to keep, just keep that real like fun element of my work and, um, and just see, see where it goes really. I don't know exactly what will happen, but um, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. I've so, still got so much energy for it. And uh, I just love doing it every day and thinking of new ideas. And um, I don't think I'll ever want to stop it really. So in your mind, you are going to continue until the end of your life. I think so, yeah. Doodling, yeah. so do you think that you're going to train little baby Elsie <laughs> to do doodling together with you? <laughs> well, uh, only if he wants to, you know. Um, I, I, I want to put things in front of him, you know, like give him some pens, give him paint, and give him like musical instruments, like a, a camera if he wants to do some funny like acting or something, I don't know, like, and just all these different tools um, and, and let him like work it out. But I think it's important that we sort of give him as many options as possible. Well, um, I forgot to ask you a question. I mean, besides using marker pan, have, have you tried to, I mean, have you tried to use other things? You use brushes, right? Sometimes. When you're doing, doing canvas with your acrylics. What, so, and so what other things do you use for doodling? Um, well, yeah, my, my favorite is, is pens. Um, 
because it's such an instant, nice, clean, neat process. I also like using spray paint for outside. Mm -hmm. It's a bit more durable, perhaps, than pens. Um, and uh, I like using, you know, things like chalk as well. Um, or, yeah, sometimes brushes, but I don't really get along with brushes as, as well, really. I just don't find that you can get such a clean line and sometimes important to me in certain instances. Um, but I also like using even things like a, a little, like, drill-type tool to carve into things. Um, or, uh, like, I like to draw digitally or, like, animate things, um, screen printing and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, I try to take the drawings to lots of different mediums, but it usually gravitates back to pens at the end. Sam, we have a great time and a great conversation, and I hope I'll see you in London very soon. Definitely. Thank you, Paul. Uh, thank you. Thank you.